it's time for the Dirtbag Sheets Brothers. <laughs> hey there, brothers. Welcome back to the Dirtbag Sheets. Today, we're going to talk about the March, what is it, March 10th, uh, AEW Dynamite. Now, I don't remember everything. I never remember everything, and I rarely, if ever, make notes. This is a podcast for me, a podcast for fun. Hopefully, I get a lot of listeners and make loads of money and be a son of a bitch from Brooklyn like everyone else, but very unlikely. Still, what I remember is a really fine show. It started with Matt Jackson versus uh, Ray Phoenix. Now, I should mention I didn't watch the pay-per-view. For one, I'm not fucking rich. And uh, $60 for a pay-per-view in the year 2021 is fucking idiotic, brother! It just is. And frankly, uh, as much as I hate the WWE, the idea of having a network where you pay a certain amount per month and you get all the pay-per-views is much more sane. That said, I could steal it, and I often do steal things because I'm a thief. Uh, but it, everything had been kind of spoiled for me, and it's so fucking long that I decided, no, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, I do need to watch the Sting, Darby Allen versus Team Taz, um, you know, cinematic fight. It, clips I've seen look great. I really want to see the uh, Women's World Championship match. I guess I want to see, I want to see like the moment Ethan Page is announced. Uh, I don't give a fuck about Christian Cage. Uh, I wish him luck. I think it's probably a smart move, but I don't give a fuck because... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the WWE died with WCW. The relevance of it, anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, brother. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been ruined for me. I would kind of like to see the match up until the end. Um, but, yeah. So, moving on. The first, uh, fuck. The first fight uh, between Matt Jackson and... And Ray Phoenix is amazing. And in the first, like, five, ten minutes, I was like, give Phoenix all the fucking belts, brother. Come on. Come on. The Lucha Brothers are so underutilized. And it seems like Tony Khan has finally fucking realized that because they are finally fucking pushing the Lucha Brothers and allowing them to do promos through a translator. Now, look. Is that the best thing? No, it fucking isn't. But what if you're going to have a show that respects other countries' traditions of professional wrestling, unlike that other piece of shit, then you're going to have to have people do promos occasionally who can't speak English. And this is a perfectly acceptable compromise. Little English, maybe fanatic from, uh, not Phoenix, I'm talking now about Pentagon uh, who, after uh, Cody did a squash match uh, from the crowd, got on the mic and challenged Cody and uh, told him that if he, <laughs> if he had worked over his arm a little more at Revolution, he wouldn't be able to hold his new baby uh, girl. And uh, Cody did not take kindly to that at all, of course. But I was really happy to finally see... Maybe I should make it like a theme... To, uh, you're like, where's Waldo? Find the dog bark in the show. I love my puppy very much, but I had to put him in his house because I want to get this done. It's not going to be very long. 
So anyway, I'm very excited that AEW is finally pushing the fucking Lucha Brothers, arguably the best tag team in the fucking universe. I mean, fuck Earth, right? You know, this is getting getting into my fantasy booking. You know, if I ever had the money, if I was ever a money mark and I was going to start a promotion, it would be entirely sci-fi based. And I don't give a fuck. And uh, Pentagon Jr. would be the fucking galactic champion, brother, brother. Because uh, he's awesome. Um, I don't know. Phoenix, it's hard to tell who's better. Uh, I love them. I'm so happy about that. Um, Sting was supposed to come out, and uh, he did. He talked for a little bit with Tony Schiavone about how they kicked, they whooped Team Taz's ass. Every little tiny clip or even just picture I've seen of this match looks amazing. It's been described as like a movie, and the only criticism I've heard that makes sense is there was commentary over it when if it's so much like a movie, maybe commentary over it is a bad idea. Uh, but anyway, uh, I gotta see that match. Uh, I will, uh, but I'm not gonna watch the whole pay-per-view. It's been ruined. Uh, I mean, Ma watching Maki Ito win his, win her, f his, she is very cute. No disrespect. Uh, Maki Ito, watching Maki Ito win her first match in AEW, total fucking surprise, brother, by the way. Who is the cutest in the world? Um, on the, on the pre-show was, uh, good enough for me. Uh, we'll talk about Maki Ito in a minute. Uh, moving on with this episode of AEW Dynamite, however, I'm going off on wonderful tangents. Sting begins to talk, but then Murderhawk and, um, with Snake, uh, Jake the Snake, they interrupt and they talk about how it's their time and it's always Sting's time, but it's their fucking time. Now, I don't know if that's to set up a feud with Sting. Uh, I assume that's what's going on and I'm all fucking forward, brother. Another thing AEW has done, which I was really critical of, is they have started to use the Murder Hawk. Ever since uh, Bullet Club is getting involved, they started to use the Murder Hawk in appropriate fucking ways. And I'm just so excited because the first and only time I really got the Murder Hawk uh, character was in uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14 when he was fighting Mox for the American IWGP uh, US Championship belt, whatever it's called, I'm sorry. I love NJPW, but I am very much a casual, much more casual than other things, simply because of the language barrier and my issues with NJPW world. Uh, <laughs> fun story. Uh, my card got locked because I had subscribed to NJPW world. <sighs> what a, what a fucked up world. I can't listen. I can't watch Japanese, uh, wrestling without getting uh, accused of uh, fraud. Uh, that's, that's the world we live in now. You know, uh, God forbid I buy some Japanese porn. I mean, you know, it's be locked forever, probably. Um, but I love NJPW, but I, I don't watch it enough, ne nearly enough. Um, I, I know all the characters enough that I love them. And uh, actually, I got some really cool, exciting cards coming in the mail that I can't wait to share with you. All NJPW. Um, one particular set. Vintage. NJPW, brother! Awesome. Um, yeah, so what was that tangent about? Oh, yeah, Murderhawk. I haven't really been into him since uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, like two years ago now. Um, but I really like what they're doing with him now, so uh, that's great. Uh, interruptions became something of a theme for the night. I mean, it only happened one other time. Uh, they were going to have Christian Cage come out, and instead... 
you know, you hear uh, the Battle Cry song. You saw the Sweepers come out. You saw Kenny do the the uh, silhouette thing. I do think Kenny Omega's entrance, now that he is full-on heel, uh, full-on the cleaner, I do think it's amazing. And uh, I do love Kenny Omega as the heel. I think he's probably destined to be a heel. I don't think his... I mean, they could do a better job making him a proper babyface, but that was kind of by design. They wanted him to have a shitty year because he wanted to push other people. They all did. That's the fucking thing about all these fucking assholes and the wrestling fucking media, all these professionals who've been doing this for years, who get paid to talk to you one fucking day a week, all these fucking assholes, right? They were like, why, why aren't the elite winning belts? Why aren't they doing it? I'm such a whiny little Vince bitch. Why didn't they do any of that? Because they were building up the company, brother. That's the difference between them and like the fucking WCW or TNT. These fucking executive vice presidents are building up other fucking people, brother. You get it? You get it? You savvy? Yeah. So I'm just happy to see Kenny Omega finally release his true potential. And he uh, interrupted Christian's, uh, Christian Cage or whatever. And, uh, of course, uh, Eddie Kingston, who was involved in the barbed wire death match, basically turned uh, face. Uh, I mean, he's lost the Lucha Brothers, uh, rightfully so. So I think he's turned face. He's at least turned tweener, right? Because he likes John Moxley. John Moxley's an old friend. They they wrestled in CG, uh, CZW, brother. I think it was CZW. It was either that or GCW. They wrestled in the fucking indies, brother, before all the Vince bullshit. You know? So it makes sense. It's really cool. It's really cool. And, of course, you know, uh, Eddie Kingston... And John Moxley were putting over how it was a mistake, not a mistake, how it was hilarious. You know, they buried it. And I think what they did and what Kenny Omega did, and also Kenny Omega talked about how he didn't uh, outright say they sabotaged it, but Don Callis kind of outright said it. The uh, the, the segment with um, Eddie Kingston talking about how Kenny was trying to kill his friend, you know, and uh, how laughable it was in the end. That was early on in the show, and... Uh, John Moxley got in some good stuff. It was a very friendly thing. But the Kenny Omega thing was fucking hilarious because Eddie Kingston gets out there and, uh, well, no, first, they talk about how they don't say outright that they, uh, I'm sorry about the rambling, guys. <laughs> they don't say that they outright sabotaged the exploding barbed wire death match, but they heavily imply it. And uh, at one point... <laughs> To make fun of what Eddie Kingston did to John Moxley, put himself over him to try to protect him. Uh, Kenny gets on the floor and he's just going exuberant. Oh my god, it's gonna something's gonna happen. Oh my god, they put on a fucking like 10 second timer and then Don Callis gets on the ground, gets over him, and, and Kenny's like, Don 69 me, Don 69 me. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it's the best they could do given the circumstance. They built a little bit of a story around it. <clears throat> I don't know. They, they might have been able to build a more intricate story, but simple is best after that, clearly. Uh, so I thought that was great. Um, I'm going to miss some things. One thing I did not fucking like about this episode is Ethan Page's debut match on Dynamite, not on Revolution, 
Uh, I love Ethan Page, all ego Ethan Page. Uh, I loved watching him tag with Danhausen and uh, Black Label Pro. I've watched him Black Label Pro. I've watched him in other promotions. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Black Label Pro mark at this point, though. Let's be honest with ourselves. I really, really enjoy Black Label Pro. In fact, I'd rather go to a – well, I don't know about that. But I, I on a day-to-day basis, considering all the work and time and, uh, you know, risk that would be involved, I would much rather go to a Black Label Pro show than an AEW show at this point in time. So uh, this is to say Ethan Page has real independent credibility. And, of course, I loved watching him on Impact. In fact, I watched him on the indies before Impact. Before I watched Impact, I started watching Impact last year at Slammiversary. I gave them a shot because of Kylie Ray. Still very, very sad about Kylie Ray. I really hope in a year or two she gets some good help and she comes back. And I know coming back would be very dangerous for her because she left AEW. She left Impact. But, guys, come on. I have a mental illness. You know, I was just talking to a girl, and uh, we're going to go out on a date, which is fucking awesome. I'm not gloating. But uh, her mother has terrible mental illness, terrible agoraphobia. She cannot leave the house. She's afraid of wind, right? People can't help these things, and I, I really hope to see Kylie Ray again someday. Even if it's not wrestling. You know what, Kylie Ray? Try getting into uh, commentary. Whatever it is, I just miss you so much. So that's why I got into uh, uh, Impact, and uh, while I was watching Kylie Way on, on the Indies, I saw Ethan Page too, and I love Ethan Page. So glad to see him uh, signed with AEW. I was really getting concerned about Ethan Page. I'm not kidding, because of what happened with Impact, and uh, certainly the way some of the like talk show hosts in the tiny, tiny little Impact podcast universe. Uh, reacted. Uh, brother, come on now. I know you like Impact. I like AEW. I also like Impact, but AEW is my favorite. I understand favorites. We talked about this in the last episode. But stop being so loyal to a fucking corporation, brother. What is wrong with you? Okay? Now, obviously, there are some good people that work at Impact. There are some fucking terrible people that work at Impact. We know this because we know fucking Impact, right? So if Ethan Page is upset with what they did with Karate Man, a hilarious, fun gimmick he did all over the Indies, I'm going to say that he probably has good reason. And they probably did that because they knew he was leaving. Now, Taya Valkyrie's uh, departure was also kind of ridiculous, but it was short and sweet. and wasn't so embarrassing to Ethan Page. <laughs> it wasn't so embarrassing to, to tie a Valkyrie. There's there's plenty of room to come back. And I don't know uh, about the impact situation. I don't know if there's ever going to be any room for me. Not that he has to now. But god damn, I'm on a tangent. Like a three-minute fucking tangent. My god. Ethan Page's match, his debut match on AEW Dynamite, was really good. However, the sound issues were so fucking terrible, I couldn't watch it. And I was trying hard to watch it because I love all ego Ethan Page. I love the North. Uh, shout out to Josh Alexander. I hope he goes all the way in Impact. They were a dominant tag team. And last year, I was saying that, you know, Impact's uh, women's division 
was the best in the fucking world. And I was saying the tag team division was one of the best in the world because of the North, because of the Motor City Machine Guns, and uh, a little bit more recently because of uh, the Good Brothers. And I, I enjoy the other tag teams that are, uh, you know, like homegrown. Like, uh, you know, you can't not like Reno Scum. You can't. That, that'd just be wrong of you. Especially when I think one of them is a nurse who's been fucking battling fucking COVID-19. That's why he hasn't been on the air very much. You know. And uh, something's going on with Alex Shelley. I, I, I haven't looked into it. Uh, he's in the medical field, right? I think that might be why he's been out. I mean, he talks about how he wants to, you know, wrestle on Impact again. But uh, something's going on. He might have COVID or something. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, so the, the, the sound was ruined. Uh, it sounded like they were piping in, like, radio signals from the nearby uh, fucking Jacksonville Stadium. Because it was like, you know, you had, like, uh, ain't no mountain high enough in the fucking background, brother. And then you had, like, announcements from the fucking stadium. And this was throughout the entire uh, Ethan Page match. In fact, it seemed almost like it was intentional. And my feeling on this is the only way to salvage this is to give Ethan Page a larger fucking storyline and make it intentional. Now, <clears throat> one way you could do this, given the impact and AEW relationship now, is Sammy fucking Callahan, the hacker. It would make perfect sense. And if you got Sammy Callahan on the show, it could start out as a feud with Ethan Page, and it could end with a feud with John fucking Moxley. They have amazing history together. Same with just like Eddie Kingston. It would be fucking outstanding. But that's the only way to save that. Other than, otherwise, I'm, I'm a little pissed about that. I mean, I don't blame AEW. I blame TNT. TNT's making the fucking thing. You know? So there was that. Um, the women's match, it was, uh, what was it, a six... Six-way? Three-way? Ah, six-way, I think. It was Britt, um, Nyla, and Maki Ito, the cutest in the world, against uh, Thunder Rosa, Riho, I think it was Riho, and, um, no, well, it was Riho Mizunami, um, Thunder Rosa, and I'm gonna say Riho. I don't, I don't remember the third one. I apologize. Uh, I was a little distracted during the entire show. I was talking to a girl, which is cool. Um, but I tried to watch this as much as I could. And every bit of it I saw, I loved to death. In fact, for me, this and the opening match were the most exciting things on the fucking show. No offense to Scorpio Sky and um, uh, Darby. Uh, I love this. Um Makiyo got in all her fun head spots. She got in her um, spot in the corner where she jumps, uh, where she uh, she gets uh, Hikaru Shida in. Oh, it's hard because Hikaru Shida, man, I'm fucking stupid. She gets Hikaru Shida in the, uh, in the corner and, you know, she climbs up and she's like, who is the cutest in the world to the camera? And then she starts beating her in the head. But, of course, those sorts of things, Makiyo's character, whenever she does something special like that, it almost always backfires. So uh, Shida just picks her up and I think she does a Liger bomb. Um, the back and forth between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa was excellent. I enjoyed Nyla's, um, you know, power moves. Uh, Ryo Mizunami continues to show a lot of character in the ring. Now, this is one thing about this particular match. I really enjoyed it, but the commentary is not correct for it. Because older American professional wrestling fans 
don't seem to want to get Joshi wrestling, you know, and it's difficult for Tony and JR. They were being as supportive as you could be. I'll give a shout out to JR for that. He wasn't being terrible. He wasn't talking about weight. You know, he was commentating in a, in a somewhat sarcastic way. But you know what? It was fine. Uh, I really, really love this match. I love all the Joshi wrestlers. I love Thunder Rosa to death. Um, and I love Britt Baker. Even though I don't, I never wanted her to be the fucking champion. Solo Monster is fucking insane. I mean, I get the sense that, oh, maybe we need a heel champion so that we have something for the faces to build towards. I get that. And Britt Baker could fill that role, and she certainly gets the most character development out of anyone in the entire fucking division, which is ridiculous. Um, and this is not hate. I want to reiterate over and over again, when I criticize JR, Britt Baker, um, anyone else in AW, this is not hate. And the same goes for Impact. I love these products. I do. But there are ways to use people. There are booking decisions to be made that would make these people more valuable to the product. You know. And I've gone over what I think JR should should be. Uh, I talked about that in yesterday's episode, Impact, uh, the uh, Impact TNA uh, unification episode, in which I talked a little bit about Matt Stryker's uh, version of commentary, which I prefer over JR's, even though he does make some serious mistakes, uh, overselling in particular, but uh, a good match. I love the women and they've, uh, quickly become one of the most exciting parts of the show. Now moving right along, we have, what do we have? Darby Allen, Maki Ito, I mean, I'm, I'm missing some things. I'm always missing some things. There's something great with, um, oh, excuse me. Um, God damn, there was something great with, was it, was it the Jungle Boy? I can't remember. Ah, oh, God. And I'm getting messages while I'm doing this. This is meant to be a short episode and it's become a long episode. Let's just, um, let's just cut to Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky. An amazing performance. I'm not going to deny that at all. Um, again, I was a little distracted. Uh, the, the first um, match and the women's match were the highlights of the show to me. That and giving fucking Murderhawk and the fucking Lucha Brothers a fucking goddamn push, finally. Wonderful. Um, but I'm really happy for Scorpio Sky. I have been listening to his podcast. I wish I put a couple notes down just so I remember a couple names. I can't remember his podcast. You can look it up. It is a co-production with Rooster Teeth, which was very wise of them, incidentally. And, um, you know, they talk about things that I don't give a fuck about, like sneakers and shit. I'm not a rich guy, dude. You want to talk about cards? I get into that. I'll even spend too much money on cards, but not sneakers. However, um, it is very pleasant. It's a good show. And uh, I just feel like Serpio Sky got lost in the shuffle. And uh, through listening to that show, I learned that he had a uh, somewhat serious injury and had to be out of action for a long time. And that explains a lot, a whole fucking lot. Um, and it's clear they're trying to give him a push again, at least so far. We need to see. I mean, he won the ladder match, which is important. Awesome. So happy for him. And he had this bout with Darby Allen. 
But uh, the, the real question becomes, is this the end of Scorpio Sky? Are we not going to see him again for another five months? You know, and this is the fucking problem with the dark shows. It really is. And I like the content, brother. I like the content. I almost always like the content on both of these shows. It's just like booking decisions, brother. It's uses of people that make no fucking sense. Nyla Rose being on fucking dark for months and not on dynamite. And then she just shows up on dynamite again. And we're supposed to care. We're supposed to care? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark. Like I'm on fucking Twitter. My brain is diseased. Uh, same for Scorpio Sky. And I would care more if the show was shorter. And we're hoping with uh, the big show and Tony Schiavone, um, you know, hosting uh, elevation, that that's what that becomes. Of course, if we have two shows and they're both an hour long or two shows and they're both two or three hours long, holy shit. Fuck that. I mean, I'm just starting to get back into BTE a little, you know, and that's too fucking long. Yeah. So anyway, I, I love to complain. Uh, I'm complaining for Scorpio, though. Scorpio Sky is good. Now I'm beginning to think I, I messed up his name. It is Scorpio. This is how long... <laughs> I listen to his podcast. This is how long I haven't seen him on the fucking show. Yeah, Scorpio Sky. Uh, I love to complain, but I love the AEW product. Uh, don't get me wrong. Speaking of AEW products and uh, cards. We know the Upper Deck card uh, set is coming out this year. I'm going to lose my fucking mind and lots of money when it finally does. If you like cards at all, if you're interested at all in like maybe investing in cards a little bit, I wouldn't go too far on that. Um, collecting interesting sets. Uh, please listen to the episode Cardboard Billionaire Chokeslam in which I go through my collection and give you some tips that could lead to some money. Now, I uh, promises on that. Um, and you can follow me at left hand though. Uh, this is basically the end of the show. Oh, I did really enjoy it because I know that, um, uh, hangman page won that match against, uh, Matt Hardy. Uh, I did really enjoy that. Oh, and I have that other thing. Fuck. I did really enjoy that little segment where he's got his brand new writing lawnmower and he's so excited about it. And uh, the Dark Order get on it and they, they uh, drive away. It almost tips over too as they're driving out of camera, uh, which is a little extra, little extra scariness. Now, the one thing I forgot, maybe the biggest story beat in the show. I'm sorry I started wrapping up and then I remember this fucking thing. This is why I don't, why doing notes would be good. And this show is already full length. Hilarious. Uh, Sammy Guevara comes back. Uh, when all the inner circle goes into the, um, you know, into the uh, squared circle, and he confront, he shows them this video of, um, he finally reveals this video of MJF conspiring with Santana Ortiz and Jack Hager, but the uh, the real swerve was when. Well, there were several swerves, in my opinion, because I felt that they were just going to not believe Sammy Guevara and just get rid of him or something. But no, not only did Jericho know what was happening, he also had a plan with Santana, Ortiz, and Jack um, Hager, you know, uh, caveman. He's fine. I don't, I don't hate him. Uh, to... Uh, fire MJF when they knew this eventual confrontation would happen. So it was a, a double swerve. And then it was a fucking triple swerve, brother, because he's like, well, okay. MJF's like, you built your 
inner circle. You think I wasn't building mine? And the lights go out, and this was a total fucking shock to me, brother, because we all thought it was going to be Cody Rhodes for some kind of reason, even though it didn't really make sense now that the Nightmare family is a tiny army. Join fucking the Four Horsemen. But no, fucking the light goes off. It turns out we got uh, Cash Wheeler and uh, Dash Hardwood. We've got... Uh, We've got uh, the renewed, and I'm glad to see that too, the renewed, uh, oh God, Ty Dillinger is what I'm thinking in my fucking head, even though I never watched him in that show, but you know who I'm talking about. I can't remember his name right now. Terrible. We got fucking MJF completing AEW's Four Horsemen faction, and it makes all the sense in the world. Fucking MJF is fucking Ric Flair. Everything is perfect in this booking right here. I was very happy and very excited for that. So uh, I love wrestling. Keep watching wrestling. Start getting into card collecting so I can make some goddamn money. And it's very fun. You can follow me at Leftendo. Thank you so much for listening to the Dirtbag Sheets, brothers. I'll see you next time. And uh, a fun uh, drinking game is to drink every time I say brothers. Or, I'm sorry, every time I say, brothers, but uh, you may die, so uh, don't do that. Adios, bye-bye, follow me at Left Hendo, enjoy wrestling. See ya.